Hello, I'm Jim Salverson and welcome to Sound Business, a podcast all about audio, its power, its potential and the people leading its innovation. On this episode, we're talking Amazon's AMP, a new app released via Amazon that allows users to create their own digital audio product combining speech, social interaction via voice and the depth of audio content from Amazon's music library and then publish it as a radio-like show via the Amazon platform, all for free. It's the latest tool in the social audio space and a medium that has been claimed by some to be a potential competitor to radio as we know it, or maybe even Radio 2.0. That view is something we'll be exploring a little bit later on today's podcast, as it's a view that has irked one of my guests today, Matt Deegan, creative director of Folder Media and a regular blogger and podcaster on all things radio, digital and media. He wrote an excellent article on why radio isn't under threat from AMP and we'll be getting into that shortly. But first, a more positive outlook from Jeremy Goldman. He is the briefing director at the US publication Insider Intelligence, who, as the app is available over there and not over here, has first-hand experience of exactly how it works and some of the potential it holds. So, is AMP going to kill the radio star? Let's find out on today's VoiceWorks Sound Business. Jeremy Goldman, how are you and whereabouts are you? Yeah, greetings from uh, the Upper East Side of New York City. Nice part of the world. Thanks for joining us on Sound Business. You're here to talk to us about AMP, the new toy slash app slash feature that Amazon have launched that is being billed by some as a threat to radio as we know it. Now, you're in a privileged position compared to myself because this hasn't been released in the UK. It's been released in beta in the US, so you've had a chance to have a little bit of a play with it. What can you tell us about how it works and what it does and what's really cool about it? Yeah, it it is really interesting. It's one of those things that uh, Amazon, we were covering for a while. They were looking to make some inroads into this area. And what AMP is, is it's a standalone app that is run by Amazon. So it's affiliated with Amazon, but it's not really connected to it. You can't get to it from the main app. It's a standalone experience. And one of the best ways to describe it is it's not quite a clubhouse killer. Um, you know, it, 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 is, it does serve as a bit of a different purpose, mm. but uh, its main aim is to get people who are kind of creators within the radio or DJ space uh, and to try to make a sticky experience for them. Now, we've seen similar things be launched before. I'm thinking in particular Spotify with their Talk Plus music platform that came out maybe 18 months ago now. What are the innovations that Amazon have got to play here that make it so different to what has come previously and what hasn't really worked previously as well? You know, I think one of the key things is it's just a matter that these platforms have to have the right expectations when they're developing something. So I would say uh, there are a lot of people who are saying, oh, Clubhouse didn't work, you know, by virtue of the fact that it's not as big as uh, Meta or Twitter. And, you know, yes, technically most things aren't successful if you're going to judge them in that regard. But I think that Clubhouse is still quite successful. Uh, It's just not as successful as those others. And what AMP is trying to do to set itself apart is to really say, okay, you can have a conversation 
where you can have like some live radio, you can talk to people, you can take questions from your audience, you can insert obviously music, so it lets you be in control and to essentially roll your own station. You can create a show, you can schedule a show. Uh, so in that sense, it's similar to Clubhouse, but it's really not meant to be a big audio chat room in that same way that Clubhouse is. And in fact, I, I would say that it's more reminiscent to some of what Spotify has done in this area. What do you think Amazon have learned from the previous social audio things that have come before? So the likes of Clubhouse, and like you said, there's kind of mixed opinions as to whether Clubhouse has really worked or not. It launched with a great big fanfare. There was a lot of buzz, similar with Twitter Spaces. It kind of launched, had a big spike, and has faded away slightly. Have Amazon looked at that and gone, right, there's a proper retention plan here. We know how we can engage users from day one and keep them in play. You know, I think one of the key things is that if Clubhouse had the best game plan in the world and this was a future-proof platform, then Amazon could have still very well said, okay, that's the the game plan that we want to go for, so we're going to go do it anyway. But I think that with Amazon, they do have a different play. They do have Amazon Music, for instance, which is part of their portfolio. So there's uh, obviously it allows Amazon to have people just basically be aware of the fact that they've got this major music catalog that you can pay for unlimited music. That's a separate service from AMP, but at least it Mm. creates awareness for that. It allows uh, them to collect more data on users, which uh, I believe that they they will at some point, they haven't you know, really said this, but be able to monetize against because they've got this immense retail media network that a lot of people don't talk about. Amazon's one of the biggest advertising players out there. So there are probably going to be synergies in that regard. So yeah, I mean, I think that Amazon learned things from these other players in terms of what works and what doesn't, but they were already going in a different direction. And I think that that's evident from some of our reporting even last fall that they were going to go in this direction, even though Clubhouse at that point, you know, it had tapered off a bit, but it still had pretty uh, significant growth. And I think the key thing is Amazon is looking to find something that's synergistic with everything else that they're doing, as opposed to just, you know, roll their own social network. Do you think that's the play for Amazon here? Do you think their intention is that, I mean, everything that Amazon do comes down to leveraging their consumer base, right? So whether it's selling them advertising or whether it's getting them into the Amazon marketplace. We saw in the UK here recently a lot of excitement when Amazon decided to put their hat in the ring for Premier League TV rights and broadcast some games live. And there was a lot of speculation as to why that was. In my view, it was about getting people over to the Prime subscription. And once you've got them on the Prime subscription, they become dedicated Amazon customers. That was kind of, for me, that was their aim there. Is it similar here that this is about bringing users into the Amazon ecosystem? And like you say, getting them to subscribe to Amazon Music or potentially marketing to them in the future? I think that that's a certainty. It is absolutely true that they're going to be monetizing this. The question is in what manner. So for instance, you can obviously imagine a situation where AMP gets to be, you know, have a decent user base and it becomes a sticky way to get people to engage with the Amazon ecosystem. And then there start to be ads that are showing based off of things that the DJ or the creator said on the air, right? Or the certain types of music mm. that's playing, you know, you, you would be able to, let's say, buy the whole entire album and uh, that ad that, w- you know, would direct you over to Amazon. And maybe it wouldn't take you out of the AMP experience, but you would still be shopping on 
Amazon while listening to AMP, right? So I think uh, all of this is, uh, you know, in the hypothetical stage, but the key thing is, yes, they will monetize it. The question is how. There are a few likely scenarios, and they're likely going to weigh and see what are the things that are going to make them the most money and still have a, you know, satisfactory user experience to keep people on the platform. You mentioned when we started speaking that this potentially was an attempt from Amazon to attract people from the radio space and similar kind of areas. Do you think that is a realistic aim? Could you see some big players, I don't know, the likes of Howard Stern, for example, looking at this as a way to control their own output 100% and develop a radio-like product that they can 100% control? You don't 100% control uh, something here, I would say. I mean, I would just kind of push back on that in the sense that you as the creator, you can have a sweetheart deal with something like AMP. So for instance, there are some major players that are actually going to be on AMP and have already been confirmed. You know, major mm-hmm. names from the radio world, you know, some major uh, celebrity artists are also going to have their own AMP shows. But, but you still don't have total control. You have like a certain degree of control, but you still have to play within the rules that uh, Amazon has set up for AMP, right? So the key thing is, I, I think one thing that will be really interesting is can Amazon pay enough for the right people to be creating shows mm. that makes AMP sticky? And I think that the answer is yes, right? If uh, if Spotify can pay Joe Rogan $100 million, <laughs> um, I think it's safe to say that uh, Amazon has the ability, if they wanted to, to find 10 Joe Rogans and pay them a million dollars, or sorry, not, you know, yeah, sorry, a hundred million versus a billion. So mm. if I can do my math in my head a little <laughs> better in the morning, so... Yeah, he's got deep pockets of Jess Bezos. I think he can probably afford a little bit of that anyway. So what's the potential here, Jeremy? I mean, it has been touted as a potential threat for radio, a potential competition for the radio market. Do you think that's overselling it a little bit or do you think it could genuinely get that kind of traction? Well, I think that radio, while it's actually stayed, you know, relatively strong, it still has the ability to kind of decay over time or to, uh, you know, rate traditional radio listening is moving to, you know, other platforms, like whether or not we're talking about premium radio services that you've got to pay for or Spotify. So this is just one more service that's going to eat into that, right? Uh, Radio was going to not quite go away, but it was going to transform. So does this have the ability to accelerate that? Absolutely. The way I look at it is that this is just radio in another form, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You have somebody who says, we're going to provide you radio, but in a different way. And it's radio on demand in a way that it's not necessarily the same type of radio that you get when you're just flipping through stations and you're just stuck with um, what <laughs> what's on as you're driving for an hour. And uh, it, it's probably going to be a lot more common to have things like AMP and Spotify be the de facto things that you're playing in your car. And as a matter of fact, there are even deals, as you probably know, to have Alexa in certain cars. So to say that you're going to have something that has AMP that is the de facto way of playing music in the future. I mean, Amazon, again, has the relationships that they can do this if they think that this is the the right way to go to build AMP. But a lot of it has to do with how much of their capital do they actually want to put behind AMP. They, they do have the ability to make this stick around for quite a while if they so choose. How do you see this space developing in general? going forward i see amp falling into the social audio space and we've seen a lot of buzz around that recently as we mentioned earlier clubhouse 
um, Spotify Green Room, of all Twitter Spaces as well, all kind of playing in this space as well. There seems to be a bit of a buzz without anything quite catching yet. Do you think more players are going to enter the market with better products? Can you see this as a real growth area for audio? Yeah, I mean, in short, definitely. I, I think when we talk about social audio, it's interesting because there's such a continuum, right? There's, I mean, if you think about Clubhouse, Clubhouse is very purely, yes, you're listening in on conversations, but a lot of people, you know, jump in and they start talking to somebody who they've never spoken to before, mm. uh, you know, by virtue of jumping into one of these rooms. Now, that is a very social experience. And then you've got things like Spotify's Green Room and uh, AMP. And d is there a social element to them? Sure. But I don't think we ne we really didn't talk about radio as social in nature. And radio, you always theoretically could sometimes talk to the host. It was just relatively difficult. So uh, radio was kind of one to many. And I imagine a lot of these shows on AMP, uh, AMP are going to be one to many. Now, the question is, who winds up sticking with these things for longer? And the short answer is, you know, if you can figure out how to launch something properly, like Twitter Spaces, it doesn't necessarily have to take over the uh, experience on Twitter. And there are some issues with it, right? Like the fact that it's a little bit more difficult to figure out exactly what's being said in a conversation and then figuring out how to monetize and sell ads against that. That to me is one of the bigger issues when we're talking about will Twitter spaces stick around? Will some of these other things stick around? Ultimately, it has to do with do you have the deep enough pockets in order to play around with it and make it a market, kind of like what's happening with the metaverse now. You have a bunch of companies that have deep pockets who are determined to make it uh, happen and to change consumer behavior, and they're going to be successful at doing it because they have the ability to stick with it. Does Twitter have the ability to fund Twitter spaces for 10 years if it doesn't catch off? Probably not. So a lot of it has to do with uh, how, how long can you fund one, uh, one of these enterprises. Jeremy, fascinating to talk to you. I'm looking forward to AMP. Once again, in the UK, we're left waiting. We're the poorer brother. We have to wait a little while longer to get these things. But I'm looking forward to AMP launching over here. And there's no timeline on that yet, I believe. But thanks very much for your time on Sound Business. If people want to hear more from you and from Insider Intelligence, where can they head? Yeah, yeah. Go go check out our website at insiderintelligence.com or emarketer.com. They'll get you both to the same place and you can catch some of my coverage. Some of it's behind the wall, some of it isn't. Uh, so, you know, have at it. Brilliant. I'll put all the links and whatnot in the podcast description. But thanks very much for your time. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you to Jeremy for his time and all the links and all the locations, websites, accounts, etc. he mentioned can be found in the podcast description. So let's provide a little bit of yin to that yang. Let's hear from Matt Deegan, who, while sharing some of the same views that Jeremy did, is also maybe a little defensive when it comes to some of the claims made by the Amazon team when launching this new AMP product. Matt Deegan, how are you and whereabouts are you? Uh, I'm good, thanks. I'm in my home office today in Wellin, just kind of in north of London. Is that Wellin Garden City, as in Wellin? Yes, just 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 round from Wellin Garden City. It's one of those places that sounds amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it sounds like, sounds like <laughs> the Hanging Gardens of Babylon or something like that. But I've been to Wellin. It's not quite. It doesn't quite reach those heights. Yes, it's lovely. Post-war, uh, planned town, um, lots of greenery, uh, which is which is nice. Which is a nice place to be. 
Well, you're joining us on Sound Business today to talk about Amazon's AMP, which is being sold by some as the latest in a long line of threats to radio, which is something that you strongly disagree with. Before we get into the reasons as to why you disagree with that particular take, is there anything you like about this product, about Amazon's launch of AMP? So some of this comes from an article uh, I wrote in my, my newsletter. I'm, I'm a big fan of people doing audio and doing radio or podcasts or whatever. Don't, don't have an issue with that at all. I think it's great. And more opportunities for people to become DJs, I think, cool. I think, great. They should, they should be able to. And things that allow them to do that, I think that, that's cool too. And it's the same with this, this app. It seems a really well put together app. We can't really see it in the UK yet, but it seems well designed. Clever use of Amazon's music catalogue. Um, nice, you can kind of bring in callers. So it's got it's got some good stuff in. I think where I get grumpy is tech companies' view that they, that they can reinvent radio. And when you look at the press release that, that went alongside this release, you know, they talk a lot about radio and this being kind of almost like a better version of radio or a way to reinvigorate it. And the problem is all of the things they say about that are wrong. And they have no understanding particularly of why radio is successful in the UK, in America, around the world. And where they come from is as a listener. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's, you know, 90% of, of the UK and similar in most other countries listen to, to the radio each week. So them being radio fans or fans of certain types of radio, I think sometimes they feel that just because they've got that knowledge, they're in the right place to launch some kind of radio killer. And that's that's probably my, my, my core issue with it, in that if you were building a nice service, kind of social service to allow people to, to be DJs, make mixtapes and share that with their friends. I think that's one thing. If you pretend it's going to be like a radio killer, you're, you're an idiot. I think the bit you're referring to in terms of what they view as it being the good things about radio, there was a line in the press release that said it was spontaneous talk, new music discovery, diverse personalities and broad programming is the things that people loved about radio. And I've got no doubt at all that they are the things that some people love about radio and maybe they are the tech executives that you're talking about. But I guess what you're saying is Mm. you disagree that they are the levers that need to be pulled if there was going to be Radio 2.0 created. Yeah, I mean, radio does loads of things for different people. You know, some people like Radio 4, some people like Heart, some people, you know, like LBC or, or whatever. So, of course, they're going to, you know, there, there is, radio is broad, number one. But actually, radio that is successful is radio that is consistent, that is high quality, and actually, mainly radio that's very, very heavily formatted. So, in the commercial radio space, Capital or Heart or Smooth, Greatest Hits Radio, Classic FM, KISS. These are really well put together services that are very research driven. They know exactly what their listeners want and deliver a product for them. Now, you can argue, you know, it's fine to argue that that's a bit anemic and isn't that a shame that people, you know, can't play whatever songs they want and all of these sorts of things. The dichotomy of that is, yes, it is a shame. However, listeners are incredibly happy with what they're delivered. And if they weren't, the stations would be different. You know, multi-billion pound, multi-territory companies, you know, they do care about their audience and delivering a product for their audience. So like number one, a commercial radio product is successful for certain reasons. 
Then you get the other side, so BBC, you know, Radio 1 and Radio 2, I think, to a certain degree, are you know, a bit more DJ-driven, they're a bit broader. Now, that's you can do that when you're not playing 10 minutes an hour of ads, number one, but also they are expensive. You know, Radio 1 and Radio 2 cost 40 and 50 million pounds, prospectively, to put together. Uh, they are not cheap operations. And like I say to most people, if you gave me 40 million pounds, I'd make you quite a good radio station as well. So that this idea of like, hey, amazing freeform radio just comes together is wrong. And then the other bit, about a third of radio listening is to speech services, predominantly built around news. Radio 4, 5 Live, LBC, Talk Sport, Talk Radio. And someone is not going to cobble that together in an app um, and do that as a, a live program. So if you're trying to replace radio or be Radio 2.0, well, which one of those are you going to be? Well, at a push, you can be the sort of Radio 1-esque version of that, which is a small proportion of the audience. And we know it's really hard to do that. And you're not going to do that with volunteer lack of experienced people. Now, I'm sure there will be some great new talent that is not found on other platforms that find this platform and do a great job and build like be like micro influencers or be a build audience around their shows. And that's really cool. It's great that they've got an opportunity to do that. But that is going to be the outlier um, of it. People will mainly make shows that no one listens to um, or their mates listen to or they make something for like a family birthday or, or, or something like that. It is not a product which has any ability to replicate radio side. And I think it's quite easy. You can listen to me talk about this and go, hey, you're just some radio guy and what do you know about the future and who knows what will happen? And you would be right to say that. You know, this is my, my this is an opinion, but it's one that's based around quite a lot of knowledge and experience over like 20 years of doing it. And particularly around digital, I've done loads of digital things. And one of the things we learn from listeners, particularly, you know, radio is successful because it, it, the way it's distributed you can listen on FM, DAB, internet, mobile, it's in car, it's on the move, it's on a phone, it's on a smart speaker, it's sort of everywhere. When you lock down radio stations to individual platforms, it makes it really hard to find them. It makes it hard to share them. It's like, well, I'm not on that, or I haven't got that device, or I haven't got that app. So you can't just go into the office and say, hey, I heard Zoe Ball on Radio 2. It'd be like saying, hey, I heard Zoe Ball on an app that's only on a certain network or on a certain phone. It's like, well, most people haven't got that so that they can't find it. So it's very, it's very hard for Amazon to replicate the, the benefits of broadcasting. And we've seen that with Apple. So Apple launched Beats One, really well-funded radio station in a Radio One mold with quite a lot of Radio One talent, both in front of and behind the mic. But it was somewhat locked to Apple platforms. And even with all their promotion and, and skill, that station doesn't really have any listeners. So this, this, is, this is a difficult thing to achieve. And the same thing is that Amazon are running off Amazon Music or connected to Amazon Music. There are loads of rules about uh, music rights and what you can do with it. And you can't make these things downloadable and they're in certain apps and you can't have more than a certain number of songs from an artist and all these sorts of things. So not Amazon's fault. You know, the record company make it really hard for interactive services to, to be established. And if you look in the UK, there are no radio stations that are distributed via the internet that have any scale or you would regard as a business. And a lot of that's driven by music rights and then distribution. So lots of this stuff, I'm not against the app, and it's great that it exists, but uh, the arrogance that goes alongside thinking that it can be Radio 2.0, that's, what that's what's made me a little bit grumpy. You touched on there one of the challenges I see for AMP and it comes back to discoverability because I think from the outside looking in as you say in the UK we've not really had a chance to play with this yet but it would appear that the tools are there for someone who 
gets audience and gets radio to build something that is very listenable. But just like podcasting, the discoverability is going to be a challenge within the medium because of how many people have the app and also once you're in it how do you find that good content i guess we saw the same thing with twitter spaces we've seen the same thing with clubhouse as well Mm. there might be great content in there but it's really difficult to find that content do you think that's one of the big challenges how people are gonna unless you've got a howard stern or someone like that that comes on and goes well i'm gonna create a radio show on this platform that suddenly becomes discoverable but then that is kind of just radio by a different means anyway i guess We've got two ways to grow audience if you're on AMP. So option number one is you have your own audience on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and you can just point people to it. Hey, listen to me. You like me. I do a good radio show. Tune in. Here's a link. So that's number one. And then number two is what's the social mechanisms within the app to drive discovery? And so there's like a following mechanism in the app. Now that requires the app to have a decent number of listeners so that they're able to create a social network, a social graph off of usage, and then they can alert you to the fact that, hey, there are these other shows or things that you like, this new episode, come back into it. Building social graphs are really hard. I think Clubhouse versus Twitter Spaces is, is quite a good analogy. So Twitter is built on a social graph, you know, who you follow on Twitter. So even if you're not really a spaces person or haven't heard about it, if the people you follow or people who follow you start creating spaces, the app alerts you to it. You don't have to go, hey, I'm a Twitter space user. Let me follow some people. That's like kind of a niche of a niche. And that's a a challenge. So they need, so for AMP to be successful, Amazon needs to get lots and lots of people into the app. They've got to get them to use those social functions. And then they've got to use their own messaging within the app, push messaging, feeds, that sort of thing, to flag up shows, to encourage people to then listen to those shows. So there's a lot of steps um, to, to, to get into it. What they've done, they've started off with, with some people like Nicki Minaj doing shows, which is totally the right, you know, right thing to do to say that, hey, we exist and she can tweet 20 million people and, and say, hey, jump in. The downside of that is, is it's actually pretty easy to, to then see, well, how many of them are listening to that? Are they coming back to it? And the thing about talent is talent lo- don't like being in places where there aren't, isn't any audience. So you might sign up a load of, a load of people, but if after 10 shows, they're somewhat scrabbling around for any audience, it's not going to really motivate them to, 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 to keep going. And that's the same in radio, telly, you know, uh, broadcasts. If you appear on GB News as a new channel and you think it's going to be one thing and actually the audience doesn't really grow, you're thinking, well, why am I sitting here every night doing doing a show? Uh, even though I'm being paid, maybe I should do something else. So to kind of be successful, you've got to be on a successful platform and be enthused by it. And that's, you know, that's a big challenge. Now, Amazon have a lot of money. They've very talented people and skilled people that have launched lots of products. So they're better than a startup having a go at this. It's just a difficult thing to be successful at. Now, one of the questions is, is AMP as a separate app actually just a test for putting into Amazon Music? And that has a much bigger audience and probably a much bigger social graph within it. And I think that would be a would be a better opportunity. But in Spotify, so Spotify already has a product like this. It's called Talk and Music, I think, kind of crappy name. Um, but you can create music shows um, yourself on Spotify. And again, that's been around 18 months, hasn't really set the world alight because they face the same problem of being kind of trapped in a subset of the world and very hard to generate an audience for it. You mentioned in the blog that you wrote that you mentioned earlier, and I'll put a link to the blog article in the podcast description so people can check it out and you can expand on some of your thoughts there. But you mentioned that one of the failures here and probably that the tech giants have tried to get into this space before have had is 
they haven't got anyone who really gets radio. They're trying to reinvigorate radio. They're trying to redesign radio without having anyone in there that actually understands audiences and understands radio properly. Do you think that if they can get the team right, if a Spotify or an Amazon or a Twitter or whoever can get the right people in there, there will genuinely be a challenger for the radio space. There will be this Radio 2.0 created. Yeah, I mean, um, it's an assumption they haven't got any people, but, you know, looking through my networks or, or just seeing who's involved, there isn't anybody that, that really jumps out at me that's from the sector. The thing I always look at is why do all digital music services have really crappy crossfading or starting of next songs, you know, in a playlist or when you add a load of songs to, to a list or whatever? And like, you know, where the next song comes in it's like radio's doing that for 50 years. That's not really hard to do. It's about you know, getting geeky. It's just about having like next track markers set on repertoire. And all of that is eminently doable and would make a, a lot of those services sound much better. They've just never bothered. And you kind of think that is weird. I mean, it's kind of certainly weird that, that, you, that, that not more effort is, is, is put into that. And I think it's the same with these sorts of services and podcasts and, and, and other things. I think there is an assumption that radio looks really easy. And I think great radio does look really easy. Hey, that guy or girl is talking and hey, those songs they've picked are great. Um, well, like loads of effort goes into that. And loads of talent goes into that. And we don't throw anybody on air. And you know, digital radio now, particularly in the UK, 80 to 100 radio stations everybody gets. Pretty much all of those radio stations are pretty good. And it's because there's some skill there. There's some well thought out, you know, market, you know, who the audience is and they're distributed well so that they can be consumed. I think a lot, I think a lot of tech people think old media, radio, telly, print is broken and they are the only people that can fix it. And I think that just is, isn't true. I think there's lots of things the Internet does that has optimized badly executed old media and maybe there's an assumption because they've done that in some places they, they can kind of do it everywhere. But even like you look at kind of print journalism, you know, print journalism's woes was the fact that its model was built on classified advertising. And like news plus classified advertising are, are two strange bedfellows. Now, you know, Craigslist comes along or eBay or, or whatever. Well, that's better classified advertising than printing something in a paper. Same, but if you look at, at television, what's been successful, Netflix subscription services, not a massive leap from pay TV in America. Okay, it's not ad funded, it's more subscription driven. Who's making all that content? TV people, film people. Like There aren't like new entrants that have just popped in to go, I'm going to knock together Bridgerton or I'm going to knock together Star Wars Mandalorian. You know, these are the people who made it in the past and are pretty good at it are now making it for the new platforms. So why, and in music, Spotify or Amazon Music, you know, the musicians are making the songs that happen to be distributed. Um, I think the idea that you know, they're trying to reinvent distribution and also the content creation. And whilst, of course, there'll be some new stars, just as new stars pop up from loads of different angles, trying to create both simultaneously, I think, puts you on a bit of a hiding to nothing. How do you see this one playing out then, Matt? Do you think AMP is going to follow the likes of that we already mentioned Clubhouse and Twitter and have this great big buzz around it at the moment and then slowly fade away as you rightly pointed out people realise that there's more people wanting to talk than there are people willing to listen yeah and Slacker and Launchcast and like there's like I mean there's there's hundreds there's hundreds of people that have had a go at this Uh, I mean if you watch the there's an American TV series that is sort of a a sitcom kind of pastiche of dot-coms there's a, a brilliant recurring character who is a bit of an idiot and he got became a billionaire by, I put radio on the internet. 
and like nothing really happened, but he made a billion dollars. And he just kind of keeps coming back to him going, hey, I put radio on the internet. And I sort of sometimes see these people being a bit like th those characters. Look, they've got a load of money. I think if they're sensible, AMP is a test for something they'll roll into after Amazon Music, where there's a, a bigger audience. If they want to make a destination for radio, why not do deals and license loads of radio alongside being a platform that people can upload stuff and, and create create their own things? What's the monetization in there? Can shows get paid? That's That'd be interesting. Not a lot of talk about monetization. They're taking a big hit with the music rights costs for the moment and, and the listening on that. So I don't think we know a lot really what their, their thoughts and, and plans are. So they might be very much more well thought out than, than, than it seems. Worst case is... It'll bumble on for two years and then it'll be quietly sunset as a product like a lot of digital uh, products are. But if I was them, I'd be concentrating on building an audience, really satisfying listeners, doing a really good job for listeners. And at that point, then you can say, hey, we're reinventing radio. Matt, pleasure as always to speak to you. You mentioned earlier your excellent newsletter for all things podcasty. If people want to sign up for that newsletter, where can they head? So if they just go to mattdegan.com or if they follow me on Twitter, I'm just twitter.com slash Matt. There's links to it there. Matt, thank you very much for your time on Sound Business. Great. If you are into the world of audio, podcasting and radio, and I assume that's why you're listening to this podcast, then I can truly recommend Matt's regular newsletter, which does a great job of keeping me up to date with the latest podcast industry news and goings on. Again, the links you need to subscribe in the podcast description. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sound Business. There is plenty more to come, so make sure you have hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening to this show. Plus, if you are new to Sound Business, why not delve into the archives for some fascinating conversations with real leaders in their field on everything from making a hit chart-topping podcast to how your brain processes sound when it hears it, like you are processing my voice now. You'll find loads of different episodes on different audio topics back on the timeline. Plus, if you want help or advice with your audio strategy, then why not get in contact with me and the rest of the VoiceWorks team at voiceworks.ai. We'd be happy to chat. See you next time.